Welcome to AI Nerd, AI with Attitude, where I try to make things as unnerdy as possible. Enjoy learning today about the latest trending technology. But before we begin, please subscribe, hit the notifications button, give it a like, and drop a comment below. Welcome to AI Nerd, AI with Attitude. Today I'm going to give a bit of attitude to Amy Woodall, who is the founder of Conscious Habit and president of the Sandler Training Trust Point. Amy, how are you doing today? I am dandy. Thanks for asking. You uh, you recently were promoted into the uh, president role and you have a whole other business. I'm going to be quiet, which is very difficult for me to do at times. And tell me about yourself, uh, what you're currently doing. And I'd love to get into today maybe about your journey, what you're doing over there at Sandler and, 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 and your other initiatives. Uh, you have the floor. Tell everybody who you are. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate it, Thomas. So uh, yeah, new role as president at Trustpoint. Been with the organization um, we really have had ties for the last decade or so, so kind of a, a new in this role and some of your folks listening, I don't know if they're familiar with Sandler or not, worldwide organization, um, we kind of have that, um, like the, the tagline of like, we're the world's largest sales training organization and so that's what we do at Trustpoint in Indianapolis and we really specialize in three areas, there's sales, there's leadership and there's customer service and so we basically teach people how to grow it right, how to keep their people and then how to make sure that they're they're keeping their clients too. And so it comes in the form of training and coaching and consulting and, and all kinds of stuff. So that's what we do at Trustpoint. And then founder of Conscious Habit, a company I started a little over a year ago where I'm really getting inside of here, like getting into the root of result. I am a meditation nerd, obsessed with meditation, obsessed with owning our shit, and so that's what I do in Conscious Habit is teach executives um, how to own their shit so they can better collaborate. And then the really fun thing is, uh, you know, once they get this, then everything that we teach on the Sandler side is going to stick even stronger because we've gotten to the root uh, of those results. Is that the tagline? Own your shit. It's not. The root of the results is the tagline, but own your shit is definitely like the theme. It is the theme. And that's what they present in Sandler too. Like my, any clients of mine know like, yep, that's an Amy thing. She says it all the time. <laughs> now, do you grow the roots through shit? I mean, through the bullshit that comes out or do you, do you get the shit? I mean, talk about the shit. I feel like that's the, the fertilizer, right? Um, right? I'll tell you how I got to that. And, um, you know, in my work at Sandler, so I kind of have this, this niche within the Sandler organization and that Sandler is really well known for that sales training thing, right? We've been doing it since the 1960s and we're pretty damn good at it, if I'm going to be honest with you. Like we're, we're solid. We have some amazing um, talent within the network. So I'm hung up on root costs. That is just my thing. I think very simply, I barely graduated the fifth grade. And so, you know, in going and doing training with companies, I started to realize, hey, we can help them grow their sales. It really ends up being top line growth because if the resident of the organization screws it up, then it's like carrying around a bucket full of holes, right? We're filling in new people, selling new deals, but it's coming out because operations and service are not aligned. And so um, helped really pick up this baton with the customer care program and bring it to life in a new way and really made it my baby. And so now not only do we get to teach people, you know, how to sell better, faster, stronger, more effectively, but now we get to teach the rest of the organization not to screw it up. And that's fun. And, and so in doing that training, I went in and was like, man, this is fun. I'm going to teach people how to retain their customers. I was such an idiot, let me tell you. Because the first issue that I recognize is these people can't get along with each other. And that is, that's, 
we're getting closer to the root, okay? If internally we're all finger pointing and blaming and not passing the baton off effectively, your customer is gonna feel it somehow, some way. And it does not matter how kind or good you are at communication, they're gonna feel it in their experience. So I thought, well, let's back up. Let's first work on getting these guys together and really communi you know, communicate effectively, et cetera. And then I kind of had another aha of like, oh, shit, none of these people are not none of them, but people really struggle with dealing with difficult situations and difficult people. So I went to corporate. I said, hey, let me kind of write the course for this. And we created this mini course. And so I was training this. I had a keynote I was going around giving called People Suck, How to Deal with Difficult People. And then more <laughs> ahas. By the way, that keynote, People Suck. I sold more keynotes. It sold, it would sell out, not because they knew who the hell I was, but because people love the title. I feel like I could do the first half of that. I don't think I give the, like the resolve end of it. Like they it just is, suck and you just walk off the stage and like, did he have a point? Here's no. all the examples. Just, just well, even um, deeper. Well, wait, so wait, wait, back up a second. Let's, let's go back to your journey. Cause you, I, where you were ending up now and, and, and I, we connected a, a few, a few little while ago. I don't know how long it was ago, but a little while ago you have an amazing journey to get to where you got. And I think it's probably, if you could take a few moments to talk about that, um, you know, to, to be, you know, you, you mentioned you, you barely passed fifth grade, but yet you're a president of a company that's ultra successful and you have your own initiative and talk about the journey as, you know, as a, from your perspective as a woman and, and, and confidence and all the things you needed to do to get there. Cause I think if you're going to sell anything, you need all those characteristics. If you're going to be anything that people are want to, look at you as a force, right? Of something to reckon with and something that they should respect. Some of the qualities that we had talked about earlier that you, you exerted in the, and how you felt inside, which is, I think, the key piece. Talk about that a bit, because I think that is incredibly valuable for anybody, in particular for any women that's coming up and they're trying to make a, a career and a difference. Yeah. Um, you know, and now I'll kind of tail back of, of where I was going there. Part of what I, I teach in my, like, we got to learn how to own our stuff is the eyes see what the brain believes. And so, you know, in my journey, um, I'm trying to think of kind of how far back to go. So right out of high school, I did not go to college. In fact, I have only stepped onto a college campus to go to frat parties, if I'm being really honest with you. Uh, that was basically my college experience, what, you know, from the outside. So I went straight into retail and retail management. And I thought like, for sure, I'm going to be a buyer. I'm going to live in New York. I'm going to go to LA. Like that was my path that I had um, really defined for myself. And at 21, I was pregnant with my first child. Uh, at 23, had my second kiddo. So young mom, um, you know, married. My husband and I were kind of established at that point. We bought. A, I was 20 years old when I bought my first house. So just young and fiercely independent, right? I decided to leave retail after I had my kiddos because a newsflash evenings and weekends and retail hours suck if you have a family. I mean, some people can make it, but it was it was really a challenge. And I dipped my toe in the entrepreneurial pond. I had no idea what I was doing. I started an image consulting company called Image Savvy. And I thought naively, like, I'm going to go teach people how to, you know, like make great first impressions and and I, I'm really grateful that I had ego and naivete at the same time because I needed it at that point in order to get into the doors that I did. If I did not have the ego and I did not have the naiveness kind of working in my favor, I think I would have talked myself out of it because where I stand today, I look back and I'm like, I don't know who that girl thought she was, but. Did you, 
did you draw upon anything in your, you know, because it's like you skipped your 30s in your in your teens to go to the 20s. So you bought the house, had the kids, and then you're like, you skip like the part where we all get, you know, out of shape and <laughs> and and waste youth doing nothing. But, but you skip that part. You're like, you know, now I'm going to go to my 50s in, in my 20s and start a business. But now I just don't have any clue. As you described, if I should or should, but I'm just going to do it anyway. Do you, you, you really think though, if you didn't have that kind of, you know, less worldly experience, you would have said, no, there's no way I should be doing this. Knowing Probably. That I now. think the fact that I was young, it was helpful. I didn't have enough history because history is what really clouds our idea of what we think that we're capable of. Right. I didn't have enough history to say I shouldn't, or I couldn't, or I can't. And so just grateful, you know, for that. And I didn't have anybody telling me don't do it. I mean, that's the other thing. I, it's not that I think it was, um, there probably were people who were saying like, she's crazy, but at least they had the guts to say it behind my back. They were like kind enough to do that so that it, it, they didn't say it to my face. Although I will tell you, I am a middle child and I am very stubborn and I don't like to be told what to do. And I like to prove people wrong. So it could have added fuel to the fire, but um, through that journey of starting, you know, image savvy and, and doing all of this, that's how I met Tim Roberts, who's the owner of TrustPoint, where I work now and have recently taken on this role as president. And I was, you know, 24 and young and tried to pitch him. And the next thing I knew, I was working for him. He kind of worked some kind of voodoo magic. Um, and next thing I knew, I was I was working for him. And so we've really had a um, an ongoing mentorship, you know, relationship since then. That's phenomenal. It's a uh it's interesting if you could have no history and only draw upon the things that actually made you, you know, like successful. I think what we, what happens is you get scared because of life commitments. You know, you buy houses, cars, you have kids, they have things. And then you're like, I can't take that risk. Um, I think what you described was you didn't have the risk. There was like, you could go work for somebody and do this or, you know, I think it's harder when you make more money later in a career to say, oh my God, am I going to leave all that to go start a business when you're younger and you're like, you know, you're not making hundreds of thousands or money. You're like, I, I could go do that by myself. So I think there's that, that piece there. Uh, I'm curious though, what was the hook? There had to been a hook that he, you're like, I'm going to go work for this, this guy. And, and that hook is, you know, was proven true. And that brand of what was promised obviously is there. What was um, it? I, there's a wisdom about him as a human. So if you ever had a chance to get to know Tim, he definitely is like a sage for sure. But he, he gave me borrowed belief. He sort of said, I see something in you. And I think that you can really, you're capable of really amazing things. And, and again, that could have been a sales pitch at the time that I fell for a hook, line and sinker. But he, he shared with me that he had had this vision that he would have a woman at some point in time rise to this, you know, sort of great position and that he would have a successor that was a female. And I just instantly felt like I wanted that to be me. Um, I didn't even know that like president, you know, or any of that would, was a possibility coming along the way, but I knew that he could teach me a lot and he really, he certainly has. So, um, I think good timing, right. And, um, and sometimes it's a gut knowing, like, it's not an actual knowing it's a little bit like a, I need to say yes to this. So what's the, uh, in, in your, so you, you went through this journey, you had a business that didn't work, I guess, like, you know, it didn't work out the way you thought it would got out of retail, you jump into this. And I think it's handy to do this. Maybe give me the, you know, the, the hundred floor elevator pitch. 
that's a long ride. It's, it's an old elevator. It's the kind you find in Delta lounges in the airport. They're the slowest ones in the world. I don't know why they're so slow to get to these lounges. It's frustrating. Stairs are better. Different to conversation. However, you're on that elevator that goes 100 floors. Tell me about what Sandler is or what it was, because I've been through the training and, and what it's become. And, and tell me about, I think it's good for anybody who doesn't know what it is to explain what, yeah. what that is. If, if you could take a few moments, that'd be yeah, great. Sure. Um, I, I guess the best way to start that is, you know, companies need sales to survive, right? It is a, a matter of we need revenue coming in at a predictable rate in order for us to be really solid. And so here's how companies are kind of set up. Um, if you have a sales team, they're typically split into three areas. Like you got your top people who are killing it and they're like renegades. They just know how to go out and make stuff happen. And you kind of want to leave them alone. But your thought is, I wish I had more of those people. They have what's called non-transferable skills. They know how to do something instinctually that they can't really share or teach somebody else how to do. You got this middle space of like 60% of your sales force who they're good, but they're inconsistent. They have good months, they have bad months. They have good months, they have bad months. And you just wish that you could have more consistency with them. And then your bottom tier people, right? So if it was broken into like 20, 60, 20, your bottom tier, that 20%, they're on their way out. They're not gonna cut it. They, they don't wanna learn, they're not coachable or they're just not cut out for sales period. So we work really, really well with this 60%, this middle, who's looking to have their success really be evened out. And we look at it in different ways, like strategy. People will be like, I don't think our, our, our I don't know that our people are prospecting, A. I don't know that they do it well. And I don't even know if they know that they're prospecting the right people. So that's one of the things we work on. Another thing is our people are giving a lot of proposals or they're quoting or they're going on a lot of meetings, but things seem to stall out. They don't really get it past that proposal and we're having a hard time getting to decision. So we have a process to teach companies how to go through, whether they're enterprise sales or they're a transactional sale that they can use this process to continuously drive the bus. Because here's the thing, I'll encourage people listening if you have a sales team, are your prospects driving the bus? and your salespeople following and just begging and hoping that they're gonna close or are your salespeople driving the bus and the prospect feels really good you know, along the way, they're, they're on the same bus, right? They're not fighting for hierarchy, but the salesperson should be driving the bus in order for you to shorten your sales cycle and in, improve um, you know, the, the, the pace of which, de decrease the cost of acquisition. So that's part of it. And then the other thing that we do is if we look at where you make money, we help companies figure out what do you, where should you be growing things? What does your messaging sound like here? How do you land and expand in this other area? So it's really like strategy and process and all of that fun stuff when it comes to sales. Now here, the, for you, right, Thomas, you've been through Sandler. Sandler is a language, right? That's, it's a language. We teach you these techniques, it's effective communication. So we've taken that language and made it applicable to leaders of like, hey, leaders, you can use this same language and help you hit your results and that operations and service team so that they can hit their results. So there's a cohesive language that's being used, but all of them, you know, towards the, the results that they're being held responsible for. Interesting. So I will tell you what, I found I'm the worst salesperson in the world. I really am not good. Um, I am only good when someone's interested and I can just tell you what you need to do, and here's what you go. And, and but it's, but the the if I have to go cold, I just I'm horrible at it. It's just not me. I, I know a space very well, and I explain it. I'll tell you what you need to do. You just need to ask. If you don't act, 
you know, I'm okay moving on. You just come back because you're going to go find a bunch of stuff out and then you're going to come back like, oh, that's what I need to do. And, you know, I'm about folding the, uh, the Amazon approach, right? Folding it down. But if I got to go prospect, that, that's why I was like, this is helpful. I would be in the bottom tier of the groups that you described for sure. Um, so I like the idea of making a sales team go from good to better and or even good to great. Um, so you, instead of having your top 10%, you have top 30% are really performing that kind of carry the rest and you just churn out the other ones. Uh, but it, but what you guys are doing there is specifically, so as, as, pre, as the president now, what do you think you're going to change and how do you think that influences other companies? And, and what I mean by that is, it, it, you know, the sales world has certainly changed with like almost everyone being remote. Uh, the people that were really good at taking people out to bars and doing all those things. I don't know how they prefer. So maybe talk about the dynamics in, you know, selfishly because it is AI nerd, the technology, how it's impacted, how you train, how people sell and what's really now more effective, maybe comparatively. comparatively. Yeah, I think a, one of the things that I'll, I'll start with a, how we train. Well, let's start there. Um, the engagement is definitely different, right? You got to know how to engage people and, and really capture their attention and keep them engaged and off of their like devices and emails and whatnot when you're on these, you know, videos by just, just shifting how, how you're doing that engagement. That's the same thing at a sales meeting or a sales call. And so for people, what we're focusing on, and I encourage and anybody who's in business development, we're all in sales, by the way. Like if you try to get your kids to clean their room, I'm sorry, you're in sales. You want them to eat their vegetables? We're all in sales. But the ability to read the situation, can we watch the expressions, the micro expressions, the body language, the when somebody covers their mouth, when they shift in their chair? Um, when they leave. Yeah, when they leave. Picking up on all of these nonverbal cues is giving you active feedback as to how engaged that prospect is or the person that you're meeting with is in the meeting. So that's really important for people to focus on is how can I pick up what is this telling me understanding the patterns behind the behavior that they're um, that they're watching. It's even more important that we do have a process for gaining commitment at all levels, right? Like one of the things that's missing in sales, whether you are on virtual sales or phone sales or in-person sales is that is that we're not inherently good at getting commitment and accountability for what happens next. So, you know, that's something else for people to really sharpen their skill on. Uh, phrase that we use in Sandler is, um, that you can't get mad at somebody for doing something you never told them they couldn't do. And also if your foot hurts, you're probably standing on your toe. So these are things of accountability of if prospects or the selling seems hard, that is feedback that there's things you need to get better at. There's no such thing as a bad prospect, only bad salespeople. So yeah. all- For a brief moment there, I thought you just flipped me off. I swear to God. Oh, no, no, just this index finger. I was like, Wait a second. This time. Hey, I have a, I have a, I have a technology. I think you might, I mean, maybe use uh, is on facial recognition of what the it's for coaching of how your own behavior is when you're speaking. That same technology could be used in real time on a sales be like to see if they're being engaged. Yeah. It's there's some cool stuff out there on that, and I think that'd be highly invaluable. I, I the reason I say if you don't recognize when someone leaves the room, I've actually been on on a, I wasn't the on selling on a call where I was the expert in the room. And the, the client actually had left the meeting, obviously to tend to something going on. And our sales guys just kept forging ahead. I don't know if he was looking out the window, just pontificating, but it, I mean, I was like, why don't we just pause a second until they return? Oh my <laughs> word. I mean, clueless. And they came back as if they had heard the whole thing. And as at this point, you're, it was like, oh, uh, anyway. So I, I, I feel that pain and it's just so embarrassing because we know the salesperson is 
thinking they're killing it and they're not room. So, well, it did. I just, yeah. A metric for salespeople to have too is if a pro, if a if you are talking, you are not in front of a prospect. If you're the salespeople and a salesperson and you are doing the majority of the talking, you you don't have a prospect. You have somebody who's hostage to your sales presentation. So it really should be that in these meetings and virtual that we slow down and we take our time and qualification and understanding if there's a fit and there's a match. People don't argue with their own data, Thomas, right? So the more somebody's talking, the more that they're that they believe what's coming out of their own mouth. If we're talking, they're skeptical. They might be like, I don't know if that's true. I don't know if we have that problem. I don't know if I really believe that. Now they may not say it outwardly, but that's what's happening with how their brain is processing. So sales is, you know, it's part art and it's part science. You got to know how to read the situation, understand human beings, understand yourself, and then have really effective techniques to get you to where you want to go. Yeah. And, and now you talk about the, your, the conscious habit. How does that integrate with this? Is it a separate, separate program or something that Talk to me about how that kind of works within within what you maybe it does. It just maybe talk about how that yeah. is, is organized. It is a separate program. It's definitely a separate program. Um, there's there's times when I have clients who come through conscious habit that once they come through this training of the deep internal stuff. And I, I was kind of sharing this at a, a point earlier of once I got through teaching, dealing with difficult people, I realized, oh my gosh, here's the, here, let's get deeper in the root. People don't know how to communicate with themselves and they're making everyone else responsible for it. And so that was my aha of, of creating this conscious habit is teaching people how to how do, how, how do I navigate? How do I communicate with me? Because if I don't get this, I'm going to project it out here and make it a problem in my marriage, in my business, um, you know, uh, in all kinds of places. We project the I see what the brain believes. We're projecting all of this stuff on the world around us. And so conscious habit teaches people how to handle that. And then, you know, it's fun to see once people come through this, now they're like, wow, okay, I'm really owning my shit. Now I'm ready to learn these new leadership skills or the sales skills or, you know, customer service skills, et cetera. So they play really nicely together, but they are separate companies. So if you were to give advice to an up and rising young you. Yeah. And there's a lot of them out there. I mean, not saying you're not original, but I'm saying there's, there's quite a few out there who aspire to be as successful as, as you've done so far. And you're in God knows what's next, right? You're, you know, you're, you're not even, you're just starting, right? And, and I hope you think of it that way, right? Because you, you get to where you want to be on president and you're like, now what? You know, I can't want any more. Um, and you, you maybe talk, what, what is your, uh, what's your advice to someone up and coming in this new world? What, what should they do? What's, what's the one, two, three? Um, one, two, three. Okay. So a, you will belong in any room that you believe you belong in. That's the first thing. I think it's a mindset thing of, um, even if you're scared, go, go anyways. I really encourage people do, do things scared because if we conceptualize our fears and we never, we never allow our behavior to prove it wrong, that is when we play small and playing small is a selfish act. We think that it's like, you know, it's a selfish act because we're holding, the, the world doesn't get to see what we're made of and we are able to help. The other thing that I want to share is there's, I mean, we all have the negative voice in our head. Now learning how to control it, that's, that's another battle. That's really why I'm passionate about conscious habit, but you're going to have this negative voice in your head that says, don't do it. You, you, you don't belong there. They don't want you. You're not qualified and prove the voice wrong. So do it scared, prove the voice wrong, and know that you belong in any room 
that you believe that you belong in. Like it's, it's not a matter of, you don't have to earn your right to be there. You just have to know that you, you belong there. You know, and, and, and on that second piece of advice, so the same group that when you, when I was younger in a nightclub, the women would always go in the men's bathroom. That's the ones who become top sale. They just go in like, you know, it's available. There's no line. Can't do that as a guy. So that was two. I'm going to hold you to it because you said, if you don't ask for it, you don't get it. You committed to three. What's the third piece of advice? Oh, is there not three in there? Okay. I think maybe I, mean, I there's probably, a, there's probably dozens, but, but you know, if I'm thinking listicle here, I need a third. <laughs> yeah, I probably wrapped it too far. I think that just know, and I heard this on a podcast recently, and I think it's a good reinforcement is if you have the capability to dream it, then you have the capability to do it. So if you have these big, crazy, hairy, audacious dreams, then that means that the capability is within you and keep your eye on that prize. That's a great point. So if you can think of it, the next piece is, you know, find a mentor. Um, to help you find the steps to execute it. And, and I think, you know, if I think of my personal life, I've have some insane, I don't say they're insane, some large ideas. And it's probably only until recently that I'm like thinking, okay, I can actually think through the steps, uh, almost like a chess game. I can almost think about what I needed to do to be successful. And my youth, not a chance. It was just a dream. <laughs> I was like, well, but I have to go out tonight and play golf tomorrow. So that I pretty much all the time I should have spent thinking is wasted. So, um, uh, you know, it's interesting, you know, you said you kind of kicked your life off early and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, right? With house and kids, you know, maybe that jump to maturity of, of having that type of significant responsibility where most are like going to frat parties, but they're, they're paying there to be there as opposed to that's your entertainment and you're choosing, you know, you're not, you're not having a bunch of debt when you get out from going to that party, uh, sets your mind. Uh, I don't think sometimes you can teach though. I'll, I'll challenge it. I don't think you can teach you're in that group you described that's uh the maverick the that's out there and and it's transferable but i don't know if you can really transfer experience and drive and ego i think the best you could do sometimes for some, and, and and that's true i think is that you have to create a process to allow enable success when you don't have that maverick but even when you're a maverick you still need that process to really maximize it and maybe you know we have a few minutes left maybe can you discuss the the can you still be very successful and become a maverick of sorts if you really aren't a maverick? Is it the process that matters or you just got to, do you have to be born with it? I mean, it's where I was running through the thought. I, I think we all have to, A, stop trying to, uh, that we could get into a whole rabbit hole here, but I think that we have to um, follow whatever we feel like is our path. So if you're somebody who's like, I don't have these giant goals and dreams, there's nothing wrong with you that there is nothing wrong with you. I think that we, you know, have the visions that we're meant to lead, lead up to. If you do have these goals and these big dreams, you know, awesome, then go after it. So, I mean, I don't, I don't feel like I was born with anything specifically special other than A, I, like I said, I knew how to have ego at the right time. Now I've been spending the rest of my life learning how to get rid of ego and learning how to set it aside and really drive from, a deeper connection and, and not being, you know, so egoic. But um, I think anybody who would be put into that category probably doesn't feel like they belong there. Like, I don't know if I would put myself in the category of Maverick. I just think I had the right resolve and got lucky and found the right mentors and coaches at the right time. And that's, what's gotten me to this space. And I happen to dream big. Yeah. I think the mentoring is uh, so under promoted or it's just promoted in a way that's so nonchalant. 
oh, you should get a mentor. But I honestly, some I've had some uh, in probably my starting mid thirties, you got a really good mentor and, uh, and became friend. And that just reversed my kind of career and way of thinking. Cause you don't, you have to learn how to think like the people who've made it a thought. And if you don't have someone to teach you that, you'll never get there. And, and oftentimes, even if your parents are your mentors, you're not going to listen to them. So um, I think I can't, I can't stress enough how important it is to have a mentor, either through sales or through entrepreneurs or being a student. But if you have to have a target, you got to know how to think because the, the difference is how you think and therefore how you'll end up acting. And uh, uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm really impressed by, you know, and we've had more conversations and it probably, it may not completely transpose into this. I'm really impressed personally of how your journey has been uh, and how you're conscious of ego and mind. And, and that's things that I battle with. I'm sure many people do. Um, I, I just, I really, truly appreciate the time you've given today with this and you're already successful. So I can't wish you any more success. It'd almost be unfair to the rest of the world. <laughs> oh, thank you. My head is going to be this big by the time we're done with this. Interview. I, I had meant to talk about it. it had gotten pretty big. I can't see the love sign behind you anymore. It was, uh, it's, it's like, uh Oh, it's, it's, it's just growing. Yes. The no. love, by the way, that's, I, listen, just like the hot sauce. I put that shit on everything. Love. Yeah. Oh, just like the hot. That's a great closing. Just like the hot sauce. Oh, but I don't really like hot sauce. Maybe a uh, blue cheese okay. or, or honey. Sure. Sure. Fun. Go with that. Funny. Like the hot stuff. Um, thank you so much for your time. I wish you the absolute best of luck. Uh, thank you, Amy. You have a wonderful day. I hope you enjoyed the video today. Thank you for listening, watching. Please subscribe, turn on notifications, hit that like button and drop me a comment below. AI nerd. AI with attitude.